Welcome back to Postgrad and Toxic White Supremacy. Welcome back to We Have Hood Rats at the Capitol. Because we are postgrad and Black. I'm your host, Amira. And I'm your host, Miles. So I'm pretty sure y'all already know what we're about to get into. So go ahead and grab your popcorn, get your tea, that boiling tea off the stove, because we're about to get into some mess. Okay. Because what the fuck? Like, what in the actual fuck? is going on i mean shout out to georgia for electing yes shout out to we are appreciative of that let's start off with some good news some hand claps yay yes. <clears throat> you know it's an honor for us as well because we are also hbcu grads so we always love to see our people representation matters um so to and unfortunately we couldn't even celebrate that victory f- for too long because what do we have going on in DC? We had some hood rats, animals. Somebody let the animals out the zoo and they just took over. Okay, they them people was down there climbing walls like this was a Call of Duty episode. They was boxing, boxing the police, like squaring up. It was some complete hood rat shit. I. I promise. But, but Amira. Yeah. Um, weren't they the same ones that said Blue Lives Matter? Oh, but Miles. Yes. Weren't they the ones that said Black people were just violent? Yes, they were. Hmm. And see how the roles have switched? And did anybody get sh- uh, One person got shot. But were innocent bystanders haunt? Mm, not that I know of. Did the police have tear gas ready to, you know, do what they had to do? No, it took them a good mm, two or three hours to arrive on the scene. Uh, and Miles, can you tell me how some hoodlums bust through a locked door at the Capitol? I don't know. The most protected area of our country, they were able to just break in? Mm-hmm. And, oh wait! So my, the people who's watching this vi- this visual do hood. They wanted to break in and do hood rat shit like this. Take pictures at the desk Take with pictures. a motherfucking cigar. Like, like <laughs> who, who do you think y'all are? It's the selfies for me. It's them boots on the desk for me. It's a make America great again for me. It's them legs open because you know that spunk coming straight from between them legs for me. And so, what is Trump really doing for y'all for me? It's that dirt and all that grime that was all up in that White House. Okay, it's the fact that the people there was looking like they were on Jerry Springer. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all seen them episodes. Y'all know what them people look like. It's the fact that they look like they were, let me not say that, but. But overall, it's the disappointment. It's the white privilege. It's the, we don't have shit else to do. So we're going to be mad because another president was elected over ours. So it's the Trump getting blocked from Facebook for me. It's the Facebook executives taking um, four plus years to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. But you know what? 
we didn't spend this episode to cook, have a roasting session. We can go on and on, but Miles actually got us some good questions to yeah. start this discussion because, baby, what the fuck? 2020, y'all listened to our last podcast. What the fuck? We tired. We still tired. And it's 2021. But we're going to say this last week was part of 2020 and we're going to keep yeah. pushing. We're going to add on this January 6th as part of 2020. But I do have a question for the people wa- listening, watching, and my co-host, Amira, over there sipping the last bits of her tea because she's about to get into this drama. Okay. But I have a question. Yes. What has been your viewpoint on America, you know, growing up or, you know, what's your viewpoint now? Has it changed? What, what is your viewpoint? Um, so my viewpoint on America has always been, um, I would say the same. I was fortunate enough to grow up in a household where um, our heritage was taught to us. We were encouraged to read books, you know, um, just self-education was really pushed. And I'm not just talking about like going to school and knowing the history, but actually understanding American history, you know, watching documentaries about like the Tussle riots or the Detroit riots, understanding racism in this country and how it will affect you as um, a black person in this country. And then as a black woman in this country. So I always understood those were two different fights. And I think from a young age, I always had it in the back of my mind that for some reason I was gonna have to hold the weight or the problems of our culture on my shoulder just because that is the people, what the people did, the woman did before me. Um, that is how a lot of black people live is just holding the weight of today's struggles on our shoulder in order to make it through. So I don't say it changed much. Um, As I got older, I got to experience firsthand um, what it was like to actually be a black woman, you know, what it was like to actually live in this country and have limited opportunities. And I can say being from a working class family that I was able to do so well because I had a lot of support and I always had that thought in my mind that I always had to do better than my counterparts. Yes. I couldn't do bare minimum. If I wanted to make it out the hood, if I wanted to at least start and starting to create a foundation for my family, I had to give 120%. You know, bare minimum was not acceptable. So that's what America was. It's, it was shitty then. It's still shitty now. But um, it, so I guess I didn't. It didn't change. If anything, I was so, I was more pro-Black because I was actively in my community. I was doing a lot of community act- outreach. We started, I started a summer camp called Culture Kids with a friend at the time. So it's just like, if that don't teach you how in- engaged I was, I was definitely pro-Black. Um, and over time, I've learned how to cre- just take those pro-Black components and the activism and just incorporate it in kind of like, you know, my daily life. Yeah. And realizing that it was so many ways to be an advocate in your community. You don't have to be out there protesting. You don't have to be the, the front liners. You know, it's different ways to advocate. But you learn that as you get older. And some people have a calling for it. So, yeah. yeah. What about you, Miles? Um, to put it short, because um, you pretty much said exactly what I was going to say, but my viewpoint has not changed whatsoever um, growing up a predominantly white neighborhood and a predominantly white 
high school, it was all pretty much the same. Um, I like to tell, not like, but what I tell people is that I was somewhat in a environment where I was conditioned to think a certain way. And mm -hmm. it took me to leave Topeka, which is where I'm from, Topeka, Kansas, to leave to Topeka, Topeka to go to Arkansas, where I went to college, to finally realize that I had a voice and I had, mm. I had something to say and I wasn't always gonna sit back and just let people walk over me, you know, although I still work on that because I have a caring heart, but I'm talking about when people are slick with their racist comments. Oh, I'm not racist, but yet you say things like, well, it didn't happen to me, but my brother, you know, said, go pick, some guy said, go pick some cotton for me as a joke. Now, what kind of person jokes like that? Mm. <laughs> but yet you go ahead and listen to all these black rappers. Now, what if you said that to one of them and see what happened? Or, or pick the regular, say it to the wrong person who had a bad day. You're going to catch your left. Yeah, say it to the, the man walking down the street, you know, with his concealer, concealing carry license. That's what y'all like to do. So, you know. So my viewpoint has never changed. It's always been, I'm not trying to make this a woe is me, but it's always been America against black people. Mm -hmm. And that's just how I feel. But yet our culture, our, the black culture is always, always used to create money through sports, music, whatever it is, entertainment, you know, it's always used, but yet we still get treated like what we are treated like over the summer of Black Lives Matter. And now you can see the two polar opposites. You can see people who are allowed into the White House and not, not no, you know, no harm, no foul, but you no see- No harm, no foul. Raising their fists in the street, talking and shouting and getting tear gassed and getting ran Getting clocked upside the head, getting dogs. Dogs. This, this is reminding of the, you know, Rodney King riots. But my thing is, we were peaceful. They weren't. They had pipe bombs somewhere. And who knows what they were going to use that. They but at the end of the day, my viewpoint has not changed. I answered the question, but I had a long-winded response. I said I was going to keep it short. But, hey. No, it's, um, it's definitely, it's not a long response. It's a definitely necessary response. It's because what I believe you're trying to do with questions in general is to like continue the thought, you know? Yeah. It's okay. Like we're being swamped with all these images and it's like, okay, we're just looking at them, but how change change is going to ignite when you question things, when you have a reflection, when you think to yourself, like, Hey, did I know racism really exists five years ago compared to now, you know, really asking yourself that to really paint the picture of what world we live in yeah. and how has change happened? Have we seen change? Why haven't we seen change? Who is our black politicians? Who's our black leaders, our pillars in our community? That could be you, that could be your friend, that could be someone you know, that could be someone you follow. But I really like the fact that regardless of racism, life has to continue. You know, everybody's gonna have their day-to-day -day job, yeah. goals, passion, and interests. You have to learn how to incorporate advocacy into your daily life. Yes. If for example, we are accountants. 
if we do account on a day-to-day basis, maybe one thing we want to practice is providing financial literacy to others, help educating others on how to get better, how to save, how to do all those things that can help them and help our own community grow economic-wise. That is still a part of the movement. Yes. So just finding like ways to like, you know, yeah. Put that passion into a change or 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 what is it? Inspire or influence a change, I feel like. Yeah. And I just feel as if black people, and this is my own opinion, and people may come for me, don't care. But, Find us in the comments. But what I'm what I'm about to say is how I feel. I feel as if black people have the hardest job to do because we have to continue to fight an endless battle in a skin that we are born in. And a lot of people, black children, you know, when I was growing up, wish they weren't black because of certain things that came to them that they want, you know, that they weren't expecting. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we just got to keep moving forward, you know, use that as fuel to light your fire. But I have another question for you. Shoot. Do you feel comfortable living in the current environment that you are in? So that could be where you are now, that could be in general as a nation. And I'm gonna add this question onto that as well. Do you feel like the nation's leaders have your best interests at heart? Well, no. I mean, um, from a Black perspective, fuck no. And from a woman's perspective, hell no. I mean, we were just literally, I mean, we literally were just in a predicament where they were trying to like ban abortions, you know, have the say so. They cut funding for Planned Parenthood. That don't sound like you got shit, a shit, a shit of interest. And then on top of that, we still didn't get justice for Breonna Taylor. So, does my nation have our best interests at heart? No. Do they desire our co- cooperation because they want our money and our time and our labor? Of course. So it's just like, um, well, just to circle back to your original, your original question, I feel like from a comfortable standpoint, like from a safety concern of like where I stay now. Yes. Like growing up, like I was, I felt comfortable. I felt safe. Yeah. Um, I am from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, I always been stayed in Detroit. Um, I I don't like saying like you know in the inner city or whatever the case may be. So everybody have their stigmas with Detroit, the crime, violence. But I always felt pretty safe because that's the environment I knew. I knew streets not to go down. I knew what to do. I know to have my ass here there. So it's just like yeah, I didn't feel start to feel uncomfortable um, until I graduated college. I went to a college that was black at HBCU so I felt still still felt comfortable I was surrounded by black people um my own people and that was cool it wasn't until I got my first job in Peoria Illinois that I started to feel uncomfortable because it wasn't as many black people around me and not only just not enough black people but not enough black people in like corporate or the people I would see on a day-to-day basis they were mostly in like the hood of Peoria or, you know, that's where, that's where I was at when I was young. So it's just like, um, I remember moving into my first apartment 
in Peoria. It was a new apartment building. Um, and I remember I uh, got a call from the property manager. She's like, I need to come talk to you. And I'm like, okay, what's, what's going on? Um, the, the owner, he's very upset. He's, he's ready to kick you out, you know, um, because he's even ready to give you your security deposit back because we don't do stuff like that. I'm like, okay, what, what, what happened? Um, it was reported. He got a phone call from another tenant here that you were having sex in the car. So, um, I, I look, I said, first of all, it, I didn't have sex in the car for anybody who was like, oh, no, I didn't. First, stop. This is why I felt uncomfortable because one, I was parked when I was waiting for her to get my keys. I was parked in a different, a separate parking lot that was not associating with the apartment, but it was across the street to the left. Mm-hmm. So one, somebody was watching me. Two, not only were they watching me, they figured out like, oh, I was going to be a future tenant in this location. And three, they didn't call the police as you would to report a, a sexual act in public. They mm-hmm. called the owner. They didn't call the property manager. We all have the property manager number. It's at the bottom of every email. They called the owner, which means like, I'm going to go directly to the source. That's a sense of privilege to me. So she was like, this is a professional building. We are all professionals. Excuse me. Just because I'm young and I'm black does not mean I'm not a professional. And for her to say that, I felt like it was an insult. And she tried to give me the whole, you know, we're black. So we got to play a a certain way type of card. And you're just like, woman, I'm a professional. They can mind their own business. They're wondering what I do and why I can afford to be in this building. That's none of their business. And so it made me feel uncomfortable in my home. And I'm not going to hold you. I was always being watched, you know, and then I did have a discussion with the owner. He had came to fix. I had flooded the apartment. That's another story. But he had came to fix it. And I said, you know what? I said, it was really um, that was not right of you to insinuate or to to not even question me and hear my side of the story to what was reported to you. I didn't like how you handled that situation. And honestly, it makes me feel uncomfortable here. And we had a whole conversation about it. Definitely, shout out to that man, you know, so whatever, it is what it is. But that's what makes me feel uncomfortable. And then when I was like, okay, I gotta get out the small city, I moved to Chicago and it was just like, still, I mean, I, I stayed in a predominantly black environment, Hyde Park. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I didn't see nobody when I went to work that was black if they, they weren't working in corporate in those positions. So it just made me think like people don't lie when they say like when it's when when there's a heavy pool for black professionals it's not a game because it's like you don't see us everywhere. And it's just like damn and I try to find my way to cope and try to find a person of color but they don't give a fuck about black people or I try to find look I put it past me a gay person someone who knows what it's like to be a minority or be oppressed and it's just like they still don't have the same no idea black people understand black people or sometimes you go you find some people who support Trump and that's another conversation but yeah what about you um Again, I'm going to keep this short because this is going to be for another time. But um, in Topeka, mm, I can say I felt comfortable when I was in my house or when I was around people that I knew. But did I feel comfortable around other people that didn't look like me? Not so often. Um, I did have a few friends that were of Caucasian descent. 
But if I were to go to a party with just them, I would ask to, you know, have another person that looked like me to come along because with everything that's been going on, black black men coming up missing, going to these bonfires with white folks. Okay. Yeah. So don't, yeah. But I mean, I can say I felt comfortable with my family. I didn't, I can say, it's not as like discriminate, discriminate, discriminated against, <laughs> although I had an experience on the school bus being called a black cockroach and all these kind type of names and what? had, you know, pubes on my face because I was growing a beard. Come on now. And because they saw, but granted, they were, for lack of better words, in the motorhomes and they saw where me and my brother lived. So, you know, they probably came for us for that aspect, which I mean, I can understand, but it, that's not how you come, you know, talk to people. So I didn't necessarily feel comfortable in that aspect because I knew my parents raised me better than that because me and my brother actually were about to, you know, do something, but we weren't going to do that because then we would have gotten in trouble because what? We're black. Exactly. So that's, is, that's, that's just how I feel. But I do live in Arkansas now, but I do feel comfortable there because there's more diversity. There's a lot of diverse states that are close by. So, you know, I do feel comfortable in that aspect. So, but I have one final question and then we'll right. talk about other stuff after that, but it may be a controversial question because I know that we talked about, you know, our podcast is about corporate culture and cash because we are accountants. So my question to you is, do you think companies or corporations should provide support in times like this for black people? Oh, I can't, I can't wait to get on this topic. So, um, First and foremost, I think my answer is fuck yes, hell yes, need to be doing it. Shouldn't even be a question because let me just tell you, at this company that I'm working for now, I'll name drop. When I when I tell you, I ain't name dropping yet, but I will <laughs> one of these days. Oh, I cannot wait to name drop. But I'm, I'm joking. I'm not gonna name drop. I'm not joking. When I tell you. In addition to COVID, Black people also had to deal with the fact that we are Black. In the midst of all the, the, the only thing this company commented on during our meetings was the fact that they were loud protesting because I work in Chicago. So they were, they were like, I can't get sleep. You know, um, they're loud or it should be peaceful. And I'm like, how dare y'all sit on this phone with another Black employee? Nobody ever reached out to figure out how do I feel? How am I doing mentally? And it took him literally four weeks before he put out a, the, the owner of the company, the CEO, put out a, a memo and said, hey, y'all should donate. We're going to match donations. Guess what he was donated to? I think we the people of change. I, I, I don't think that's. Or in NAACP. P and um, the Boys and Girls Club. No, well, I said what I said. So take it how you want to take it. And for him, to those were the only organizations that he reached out to. Mind you, we are in a, in, in a predominantly Black city. And then on top of being in the predominantly Black city, there are 
there are many organizations you could have donated to that yeah. could have directly helped Black Lives Matter, and you chose to do that, that washed over organization. NAACP, to me, is will always be a safety organization. That is like the middle ground organization. I feel like there was no mental health resources provided, no free therapy vouchers or sessions, um, nothing to be a, a Zach. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, with what I, my response to that is where I work, yes, we are. I, I, I personally love where I work mainly because of my coworkers. However, I do think that there should be some sort of, if they only want to send emails out to Black individuals, or if they want to say, hey, we have a counselor on campus, you know, on something, mm. yes. you know, just say we have a counselor. It could be for anything. Just say, hey, we have a counselor at so-and-so, let's, you know. And that could just be anything. It, it didn't even... Yes, if you said we had a counselor during a time where Black Lives Matter, I can see that it could be looked at as it as that. But at the end of the day, if you just say, hey, we have a counselor, if anybody needs to talk during times of COVID, it could be looked at as that. And then it could be transformed into people coming there talking to the counselor about, or a therapist about Black Lives Matter, how this affecting their, exactly. their work life, their social life, everything like that. But it wasn't offered. So I personally think that I would say yes and no, but I'm more leaning towards the yes, mainly because there's a lot of black people in these corporations that are affected, but yet it's looked over because of why? Because the corporation does not want to be involved in something such as Black Lives Matter. Right. They don't want to get into the politics of it, but they can have these resource groups dedicated to the black people at their jobs, but they don't want to get too far engaged in it, right? Sad. Yeah. So it is. That's what it is. I mean, that's our the life we live in now. But um, definitely, I feel like these <coughs> corporations could be doing more um, in support of their employees because if mentally you. Your employees are mentally stable and strong. They can produce better work. I mean, that's just everyday logic. Yes. But let me tell you, if it was, I hate to say it, if the roles were reversed, if we were white people and this happened to, all kinds of sympathy emails, sympathy cards would be mailed out. But it's just like the fact that nobody on, one person on my team, but I, nobody thought to say, hey, let's check on yeah. you know, our Black employees. Um, how are you guys being affected by this? Um, if you want to comment on it. So definitely, definitely sad. Yeah. And it, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be strictly for black employees, but I know what you're saying, but you know, there's a lot of, you know, employees that are of a different nationality that could still be affected by this. So I agree with what you're saying, but I just wanted to end on this note, if you have anything else to say, Amira, but I just wanted to end on my note, on this note for me is that we have two Americas. We have the privileged and the oppressed. Forever, mm -hmm. we will forever be oppressed until the end of time, until something changes. And in, for, in, in order for that to change, we need white people to realize that there's racism in this country. 
And until they keep brushing it on the rug, we still gonna have racism. And I seen a post and the post said, um, all white people are racist. And of course, a lot of people, it's backlash because everybody's favorite thing when you're talking about white people is, oh, not all white people are bad. You know, some white people are this, some white people are that. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, to some point that, that does make sense. Not all white people are bad. Not all people are this and that. However, if I had to educate myself in order to realize I have been conditioned to have a slave mentality mindset because that's what's been put on us in this country, then they need to also do some work in order to acknowledge that they also have privilege and they have been benefiting from white privilege and it is a real thing. So because just because I self-educated myself and I don't feel like I see the world from a slave mentality, I'm arising from that does not mean that I'm not oppressed does not mean that, oh, just because I have a new mindset that that changes things in our, in our, in our culture, in our country, with the, with the system, it does not change that. So to some point, it is a, a point of, if I'm gonna always be oppressed because this is what this country put in place for me, then you will always be the oppressor. Because in order for me to be oppressed, there has to be an oppressor. And so blatantly said, white people are racist because they can benefit from racism because that's what it was designed to do. And if people stop being so sensitive, if people understand that and take that away and understand how this country were made, then maybe we can get past some common ground. But until then we will forever fight for change, for freedom, for better opportunities, for not just better opportunities, equal opportunities, a fair playing field. The prison to pipeline should not be a, a deal. Yes, I agree. And That's just one. Well, I said that was my last point, but I just wanted to say this as well. Trump, Trump said he is, he loves the people, the patriots that stormed the White House. He loves them and go home and, you know, have a great day and all this. But when it comes to Black Lives Matter, they said thugs and, and window thugs, you know. Oh, and he said he thought Breonna Taylor got what she deserved on national TV. And he was the main one to say that the the um, Proud Boys, Joe Park Seven. Oh was, yes, and he was the main one to talk about them too. And I'm Since like, Park Five, or yeah, Five. I don't know why, I, but Five. It's okay. I'm like, what in the main one? What is going on? So, I mean, so that's all we have. We just wanted to really chime in and touch on what's been going on in the country because I know everybody's watching. Sometimes people not might, might not be watching news, but you follow the shade room, and the shade room has been posted. <laughs> yes, but it is tough. It's tough, it's tough, it's tough. But we do appreciate everybody that has been supporting the Black Lives Matter movement and just acknowledging the fact that they have privilege and that there's this system is screwed up. We appreciate screwed up. people that do that. But the people yes. behind Amira, 
We ain't got time. People that's being hood rats, putting their deuces up in the fucking front of the Capitol, that's just ghetto. And it's just, I just, I, I just, I just can't. And the same people that call, talk down on us, call us, say we don't know how to behave. We don't know how to act. All type of names, just calling us out of our name. And they ain't calling us nothing but all this, but they won't call us a child of God. Why? We're Nobody calls <laughs> We're animals. That's what they say. We're an- we're animals, but they won't call us no child of God. But they climbing on motherfucking walls. They won't call us by our first name. They they over here talking about Kamala, can't Kamala. You know her name's Kamala, so say her name correctly. You know they can't talk though. The same people they're in there throwing throwing stuff. They should be finding where they keep the student loans. You know, helping us out with that. But it's going to be forever screwed up. But anyways. I wonder what they're really going to do, how they're going to use the lady who's been killed by the police. The lady, uh, I don't know her every name, but... Person, every single person that was in that White House needs to be charged. And no, the, literally. And the people that were breaking the news equipment and throwing that on the ground, they need to be charged. But with that being said, that's all we have um, for Postgrad and Black. We are going to continue to bring you content and just continue the conversation with your friends, family about social, social, you know, social injustices. Injustices, social. Anything that has to do with our, the America, this American dream that everybody (laughs) so calls break but with that being said i'm your host miles i'm your host amira and we are post grad and what <laughs>